0: The JEDI cloud computing contract might be the most visible IT project for the Defense Department, but a perhaps more ambitious one is the new record system under construction at the Defense Health Agency. Recently, the program office rolled out a new wave of installations at Travis Air Force Base, Idaho. For an update on this multi-year project, I spoke with Bill Tinston, the program executive officer at the Defense Healthcare Management Systems Office, and Air Force Major General Lee Payne, a physician and assistant director for combat support, at the Defense Health Agency, the first voice you hear is Major General Payne.
1: We're installing a new electronic health record. Um, we've our, our legacy systems. We've had, uh, I think, we were early adopters of electronic health records in the in the DoD. In fact, throughout my career as an emergency physician, I've been involved in all of them, uh, from the initial out, uh, rollout of CHCS uh, all the way now till uh, MHS Genesis. But it's really uh, uh, updating our, our new electronic health record.
0: And is one of the objectives of this program to match what it is
2: that the VA is putting in? I mean, that was
0: when VA launched it, that's what they said.
2: So it's even more closely aligned than matching what DOD is doing on the VA side. Uh, the contract that they've set up is joining the actual record. So it's a single instance. It is the same record that a patient will use while they're in on the active duty side that they'll also be using on the VA side as well as operational medicine, veterans' benefits, all of that is against the same record. So in the end, the VA and the DOD are doing the same thing. There may be different capabilities and different processes that we use around a common record, a single record about the patient, not about where the care is delivered or who delivered it i just wanted to
1: add to what uh bill said you know eventually this uh this system will be at the military entrance processing centers where we bring new recruits into the uh, into the military, all through their active duty career, while they're deployed, uh, and then at the VA. So it really brings the, the record throughout your, your uh, the longitudinal record for the military member.
0: And you have been testing it or piloting it in a couple of locations, the Pacific Northwest and more recently elsewhere. Tell us what's been going on there. What have you learned so far?
1: Uh, with, I would say the, the IOC sites were a great uh, lesson for us, the, the initial operating capability out in the Pacific Northwest. We learned a great deal there. Um, some of the things we learned was that um, our infrastructure needed to be stable and all our medical devices needed to be connected and stable for at least six months prior to, we start, prior to starting uh, the transition training was a really really important uh, uh effort for us we, we moved to a thing called uh, peer expert training where we train like individuals so i'm an emergency physician so i would have an emergency physician peer expert or critical care nurse or a front desk clerk the thing that that helps us with is um, builds a bigger bench uh, it gives you a little more depth uh, in uh, in your organization as you go live and we found that to be extremely helpful we also upgraded our uh, computer-based training and our instructor-led training as well as the time that we have the peer experts and the u- end-users practicing with the system. I, the other thing I think we we've done is uh, th- this is really a transformational it's it's tempting to think of this as a uh, just changing your IT system but it's really a transformational change uh, so change management and uh, helping people understand that uh, your as-is workflow is not the same as your to-be workflow and help them to make that that transition and i would say the final thing uh... is the management structure and the governance structure that we've set up with uh... Uh, Mr. Tinston's team uh, with uh, Mr. Pat Flanders who's our chief information officer and our organization uh, functional champion as well as healthcare informatics and that I think those four things made a major a huge difference for us as we went to this next wave.
0: And how did things change for the users and who are the users? It's probably almost everyone within a medical center would touch the record system at some point in the in the in the process of taking care of patients.
2: Well, so I, I think that's correct, that almost everyone touches the record uh, in the process of providing medical care, and I'll let General Payne address that in a second. I think I wanted to extend General Payne's comments that the real transformation and what we what we were able to achieve with, with Wave Travis, which is the Wave that we just went live with, was the fact that his organization was in place, bringing the clinicians' views together, telling me what to deliver and what, whether what I had delivered was good enough to meet the clinical needs and that was not in place when we did the IOC sites. It is in place now and that has really changed our ability to be effective engaging the military treatment facilities and making them a part of delivering this as opposed to having it be something that we did to them. Almost
0: the agile way.
2: So it has been very agile and it's multidisciplinary and we were missing uh, upfront the engagement uh, the, the single functional champion that brought the views of the clinicians and informed us on the delivery side and on the IT side, what was good enough and what we needed to do to meet the needs of the clinicians because we're not clinicians and we're not doctors and. General Payne is and, and is able to bring that community to bear on the, the results and the capabilities that we drive to the military treatment facilities. And
0: is the vendor involved in this whole process in some way?
2: And in fact, uh, the Lidos Partnership, uh, who is helping us deliver this, brought their own clinicians to help us evaluate how well we were doing in in, in preparing the site's uh, the, the treatment facilities to uh, accept, understand. Whether we had done the training right, because we talked about training a little bit earlier. Uh, the first time we tried this, we we, we made the, 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 you know, the IT mistake. We tried to train IT. This time, with the engagement of General Payne's team, we trained people how to do their jobs, right? Because we changed the way they did their jobs as we developed these new workflows, brought the standardization in, and and so training, making people job ready, vice showing them how to use an IT system is was a fundamental difference in what we did this time. And
0: did you fold some of these lessons learned back to the original sites in the Pacific Northwest?
1: Well, I, the Pacific Northwest really helped us um, make the transition to the next wave. Which was um, Travis. It, it, the Travis wave, yeah, four additional facilities. Uh, but the w- we really focused on the concerns of the um, WAVE-Madigan or the initial sites, we basically said, where are are your friction points? And as Mr. Tinson pointed out, the system's really configurable, Uh, so that allowed us to say, they said, this is our most important problem. So we took our healthcare informatics team, we conducted about somewhere between 15 and 19 sprint sessions over the past two years to configure the record. So the record that was delivered at WAVE-Travis on September 7th was dramatically different, not only from the sprints, uh, but also for additional capability that Mr. Tinson and and the team were able to add, as well as the regular upgrades. We upgrade the uh, the code uh, for both Henry Schein and for um, the Cerner Millennium product uh, every six months, in addition to our healthcare informatics team making changes on a regular basis. So we're updating this record regularly, and that really helped um, improve both the IOC sites and the Wave Travis sites as they went live.
0: With all this configuration and code updating every six months, is it still considered a commercial off-the-shelf product that you're simply configuring, or is it are you overly customizing here? Well, overly is my word, but are you customizing?
2: Or We're you- absolutely. Stay, I mean, one of our core tenants is to stay within the configuration, adjust the workflows to the the commercial offerings, and then we take time to to. to work with the Cerner user community and the, and the Cerner company themselves to influence w- what they deliver next and how it's gonna work. But we are not customizing. We are configuring. It's a very configurable product. And, and General Payne, I'm not aware of any case where we haven't been able to come to a usable workflow without any customizations. Not not this far,
1: um, uh, you know. I, th- I think that's the beauty of the system for us is it, it is is it is configurable because there are some military unique things that we have to do. So that really helps us uh, be able to get the product where we need it to be.
0: And the data from the legacy systems that you still need to preserve and use, I presume. How does that get into the the, the MHS system?
2: Well, we we transition in as we bring patients and we bring records over the key elements problem list, allergies,
1: medications, um, that just the basic information, uh, problem list, you know, the things, procedures, the things that we need to know about the patient, but the data is actually, uh, the legacy information is available for us, uh, to us.
2: So we have integrated in, and it already exists, something called the joint longitudinal viewer. The VA uses it, DOD uses it. It allows, and it's integrated into our MHS Genesis uh, uh, deployed application. It gives clinicians the ability to get uh, the data about encounters that have been provided in the commercial space, at the VA space, or in the legacy uh, EHR, so that we can present all of that information. It is available. They get to choose what they want to look at, and it goes out and gets it and brings it all back so that they can get the full history or whatever parts of the history they need to make their decisions. So they can look into VISTA also? So they don't look directly into VISTA? But the encounters in VISTA are available to them through this joint legacy viewer. So it bridges the gap. It creates the interoperability between the the VA and the DOD. And that's in place, and that's been in place for some time. This is also a critical enabler in allowing us to effectively deploy MHS Genesis without creating a gap between clinicians at different facilities because it, it also bridges the gap between the legacy DOD record and the new record that we're deploying now.
0: But at some point, will the data live in a new format in the MHS Genesis system so you can turn off the old systems at some point?
2: So we are, in fact, turning off the old systems, the legacy, and we turned off the support to, I think, Fairchild Fairchild recently. So we have turned off the legacy system at one of the sites, one of the initial sites. The exact migration plan is something we're still working, uh, what to do and, and how much the legacy data to bring in. But if a clinician is viewing uh, prior encounters through the joint longitudinal viewer, they can choose that information and bring it into the MHS Genesis record at this point. Now, the bulk of the data and how to address that going forward, uh, we're looking at what the VA is doing because the VA is bringing all their data in up front, which is a new process that Cerner had not done before. And and it's some of the innovation that the VA through their, their vehicle with Cerner has been able to bring to the table. That was not their standard practice when, when we first engaged. Uh, but we're watching that to see what our, what the right strategy is for us to bring in all the data, but shutting off the legacy systems is, is a key element of what we're doing here. And. and- that makes it cost effective. If we don't do that, we can't run both.
1: One thing I just wanted to add: the other thing that the joint longitudinal viewer does for us is allows us to, through health information exchanges, get access to the uh, the commercial uh, records that are out there. So um, there are right now in, for DOD, there are like 59 systems that we're, we're hmm. connected to. So we can reach out and pull pull that data in, which is critical. And as we move forward with the VA and a platform called Commonwealth, we're going to have thousands. Uh, of healthcare systems that will, uh, and 60% of DOD's care uh, is provided um, into the, in the civilian network. So it's critical for us to be able to pull that data in to have a really comprehensive picture of what's going on with our patients.
0: And Major General Payne, you are a physician. I am. And so you have worked with these systems directly as a clinician. What's the difference between the new and the old, and how does it
1: enhance the work of people that are doing the kind of work that clinicians do the thing I, I really love about this system is it's integrated um, if our we had our, our systems were all separate before um, so now the inpatient the outpatient dental uh, the patient portal even the messaging between providers is all integrated in the system uh, early in the I went out to Oak Harbor and was looking at the acute care clinic out there and the folks were showing me as an emergency physician they were kind of showing me their workflow and right on the the page where you're working uh, with your patient, you can see all the, the recent visits and just click on them. Uh, in in the legacy system, that would have required me to log out of one system, log into another system, and go pull that pull, pull that information up on that patient, which is time consuming and cumbersome. So the record integration for me is really really important. They added. Uh, One of the things we focused on uh, and I've emphasized since I've been the functional champion is focused on patient safety uh, and quality. This record record has built-in safety uh, features like barcode medication administration you scan the barcode on the patient the barcode on the medication allows you to deliver the right dose to the right patient at the right time and uh, enhancing safety uh, additional uh, decision uh, support tools that the the record provides all of that i think make this uh, as well as it's a it's a forward looking future record again with those those regular upda- updates very very important for us
0: and does it run on a desktop computer on a pad an ipad and on a uh, surface and on a phone or what are some of the user interface options
2: so right now we have it deployed in workstation on on wheels and in fixed locations we have not taken the step of delivering to mobile yet But this is an opportunity that we are gaining to accelerate this through the VA because the VA has – they're driving towards deployment to mobile devices early in their deployment process. So we intend to to leverage the work they're doing there and, where appropriate, bring it to other devices and and deliver through other channels in the facilities.
0: But it's not a government-exclusive location. I mean, Cerner has everybody there.
2: So Cerner does have everyone there or many of their clients there. I don't know whether everyone is right, but I do know that the way we have set it up is the VA and the DOD are in a separate enclave. We're not sharing hosting space with their commercial clientele. So we have a specially protected environment just for the VA and the DOD. And I failed to mention earlier, the Coast Guard is also part of this process. So they're, they're working to deliver to their, their treatment facilities and clinics as well.
0: And I guess with having VA and DOD and Coast Guard over time, will this enhance your analytical ability on health trends, health outcomes, treatment outcomes, and so
1: forth? Because that's the future of medicine, right, is all this analytics. Yes, we're, we're very excited about part of the programs called Healthy Intent, uh, where the longitudinal record, where all the data will eventually reside, uh, and you can imagine Uh, how helpful that's going to be for us from a patient uh, population health perspective. We in the military have done population health uh, for a long time, uh, but I think this is going to be uh, you know, the application of prote- uh, artificial intelligence, uh, looking at that data and having that data available, uh, both the DOD and uh, VA, will be almost 20 million beneficiaries under care when we get the, uh, both uh, deployments complete. And I think that's going to be hugely powerful.
2: I read an article this summer about the guy that invented air conditioning. And he didn't invent air conditioning to cool people off and make it easier to work. He invented air conditioning because he ran a printing plant. And he needed to reduce the humidity to get the ink to stick to the paper. Was his name Carrier? His name was, in fact, Carrier. And I I forget where I read the article, but it was Carrier. Uh, Willis Carrier, I think, is his name. But anyway, he knew what he was trying to accomplish, which was to reduce the humidity in the print plant. He he had no idea where it was going to take the world and change the way we worked. I think we're in a similar situation with this electronic record that we're delivering. We don't know where it's going. We know why we're doing it today, but we don't even know where it can take us.
1: As prices keep creeping up, your entertainment budget doesn't have to take a hit. Live One Plus has all the music you love, ad-free for only $3.99 per month. Dive into Live One's massive library of songs, listen to curated playlists, or create your own. Check out exclusive artist-hosted stations and do it all for the best price in streaming lock in a live one plus membership for just 3.99 per month now and you'll not only beat inflation you'll get all your favorite music ad free check out live one.com best music for details
2: this episode is brought to you by Zell whenever you're sending money through an app or online it's important to do it safely here are a few helpful tips first always make sure you know and trust the person you're sending money to second confirm you have entered their contact details correctly and finally,